Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. I'm Spencer Dirks, alongside my retired buddy, Dr. Bob Leonard, although you're working even harder now that you're quote-unquote retired than when you were working for the radio station. How are you doing, Dr. Bob? I'm doing great. Had your retirement party this past weekend at Peace Tree Brewing. That was fun. Had a good crowd showing up to wish you well. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of people. A lot of people, I was surprised there was a lot of people that I didn't know. So there was a side of Dr. Bob that I was unaware of. Well, not a bad side. I'm not trying to say that it's like like you had a bunch of motorcycle (laughs) riders showing up. That would have been pretty cool, though. Yeah. No, you know, mix of life in Marion County. That's right. You know a lot of people, a lot of different kinds of people throughout the county. Yeah, a lot of good friends there. So we got a very busy show today. Uh, So let's go ahead and get it going. Of course, a lot of news when it comes to abortion law in the state of Iowa. So we'll talk about the latest ruling from the Polk County judge. Also, a lot of cock talk today. We're getting to the part of the year where we got county fairs and a lot of state fair coming up and a lot of people coming through the state. Uh, Donald Trump is going to have his town hall. In fact, that's going on pretty much as we speak, as we're recording on Tuesday afternoon. It's going to air tonight. Uh, We also have... Have you noticed less fireflies? Yes, I have. And I've been optimistically looking for them all summer long. And I've seen like seven. Yeah, And I'm up early. Right. And you live in a rural area. Yeah. So all around corn and, and bean fields. So you would think of anybody, you would be the one that would see fireflies. And I didn't really notice it until I read this article. So we'll talk about maybe disappearing fireflies. Also, my top five fast food burger joints. I did switch things around, by the way, with your suggestion last week with the Sonic Green Chili Burger. So we'll have to see what the top five is now. So fast five or top five fast food burger joints. So we'll start with the abortion issue. This is from KCCI. An Iowa judge on Monday temporarily blocked the state's new ban on most abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy, just days after Governor Kim Reynolds signed the measure into law. That means abortion is once again legal in Iowa up to 20 weeks of pregnancy with a 24-hour waiting period while the court assesses the new law's constitutionality. The ruling Monday does specify that while the law is temporarily paused, the state's Board of Medicine should proceed with rules for enforcement so that specific rules for health care providers will be well-defined if the law were to be in effect in the future. Judge Joseph Seidlin specified that his ruling on Friday hinges on the, quote, undue burden standard, which is an intermediate level of scrutiny that requires laws do not create a significant obstacle to abortion. The state Supreme Court, in its latest rulings on the issue, said the undue burden standard remains in effect, quote, with an invitation to litigate the issue further, end quote. This perhaps is, this is Seidlin again, quote, this perhaps is the litigation that accepts the invitation. Using that standard, abortion advocates are likely right to say that uh, Iowa's new law violates constitutional rights, Seidlin said, which led him to grant the temporary block. Lawyers for the state argued the law should be analyzed using rational basis review, the lowest level of scrutiny to judge legal challenges. I do want to mention as well, we talked about this last time when they had actually passed this law at the state house, that it's going to be harder to attract doctors, nurses, etc. Saw this from Sarah Trone Garriott, uh, who is a state senator. Iowa is already 51st in the nation in OBGYNs per capita. We're behind Puerto Rico. You're wondering why 51st. That means we're dead last. Yeah, already. Gonna, yeah, already. Already, yeah. So that is a little bit of good news. It is legal. It's going back to basically what that ruling that the Iowa Supreme Court had a few weeks ago, where we have up to 20 weeks with that 24-hour waiting period, and now we wait for this to hash out in the courts. We'll see what happens. I, I don't know what, what was the three to three vote last time about the constitutionality of it and one person abstained so I don't know what's going to happen but there's been calls for the heads of those justices for their jobs anyway well yeah I'm sure Bob Vanderplatz is already recruiting people to run against him yeah or run against them which he did before it's not new for Bob Vanderplatz to try to get his way in the state house or in the Halls of Justice. Yeah. Nope. Absolutely, totally coordinated in the whole, you know, the Republican Party in general, especially the Trump campaign, is coordinated recruiting people for every possible position in government should Trump take over. So it's, I mean, they're just really, you know, digging in on 
all of these issues. There's no such thing as compromise anymore. There's no such thing as, you know, reaching an agreement together. It's all war. That's going to make things even more interesting in the next go-round. We thought things were interesting in the last election. Now it's going to get even uglier, Mm -hmm. I think, on both sides. I mean, I think there's already a big push to get more Democratic candidates because this is obviously a very grassroots thing for the Democratic side to get people riled up and possibly for more people, especially women, to get in government. I would like to know what the Democratic Party is doing with respect to recruitment. I mean, you go to a Republican event, there's a whole sign-up sheet. There's a whole you know, institutional effort run by the Heritage Foundation of conservative, I'm using air quotes, think tank. It's a power grab tank. It used yeah. to be a think tank. But everywhere you go, you know, there, people are encouraged to run for office. There's lists where you can sign up and what you might want to sign up for at every Republican event. And I don't know what the Democrats are doing. It's not like they, you know, the, the candidates that I've talked to last election cycle sang the praises of the Democratic Party and their organizational acumen last time around. And we have a new chair with Rita Hart. But you think that letting the public know that they were interested in candidates and have a mechanism in place for people to volunteer. I mean, there's no events. There are a lot of Republican events because of the caucuses. But that's what happened in 2016, too, when Hillary Clinton dragged her feet before getting in, declaring that she was going to run. And in the meantime, we had 17 Republican candidates traipsing all over Iowa, spreading the message and all of these opportunities to get people, you know, identified and build a team. And so now here we are again, Republicans everywhere. Um, there's no Hillary Clinton. There's Joe Biden, you know, and doing lots of great things for rural Iowa. But I don't see the local organizational effort. And, you know, I'll be the first to say I may be out of the loop, but you would think that I would have encountered something. And I mean, I guess I could call Rita Hart. Any of us could. But to not know what their strategy is suggests that minimally they're not communicating with the public very well about it. It does seem like they're flying by the seat of their pants a little bit. Again, you mentioned Rita Hart is new, so maybe that's part of it. And people push back on the statement that was released by the Iowa Democratic Party saying it didn't go far enough when they passed that abortion law or called for the special session and said, we're going to vote even harder in 2024 and 2026. And it's like, this is not the time for that, Rita, or whoever wrote that. You need to get up and fight for the Democrats and not just Democrats, but for for I would say for women, but for everybody that believes that abortion should be accessible. Well, and it's, you know, the latest opinion polling, I think, was 61 or 63 percent of Iowans believe that abortion should be uh, legal in most circumstances. Now, what's interesting is that the Republicans, Kim Reynolds in particular, has shifted that narrative. The Democrats for a while were saying, oh, you're going against the will of the people. 61 or 63 percent of people want it safe and and uh, accessible. And now the Republicans, I think, very cleverly have said it's the Democrats that are against the will of the people because of the landslide victory that Republicans got. So they've spun that, which is, you know, really good, oh, really good political move. So yeah. it's like the Democrats are against the will of the people and when the polling shows otherwise. Exactly. It means we need more people to vote, A. And B, we do need some sort of structure for people that, if they do want to run, how do they do that? I'm sure there's a lot of people, maybe even listening to this podcast right now, that says, how can I help? I want to run. But, yeah, do you just call Rita Hart's office? There is no structure in place to say, I'd like to run. What kind of benefits are you going to give me? What kind of help are you going to give me? Do you have campaign staff? Do you have bullet points? Do you have things that you want me to push? Things that you want me to not talk about? Those are all things that a strong party would have aligned. Well, they didn't have it last time. One of our candidates had uh, 
was thinking that maybe he should run as a Republican, try to make as a Republican, try to make things better from within. Mm -hmm. And he went to the Republican Party and he said, "Okay, I want to run as a Republican." And uh, you know, what does that mean? That means they said, "Well, we're going to give you these talking points. Here's the message. Here's this. Here's that. The other. Here's all the resources that we're going to give you and money for mailers and, and volunteers to knock on doors, right?" Right. And, he, and they said, you just have to agree that these are all your policies. And he says, well, I don't agree with all these policies. And they said, well, then you're out of luck. Tough luck he yeah. goes to the Democrats and says, I want to run. And uh, they say, great, good luck. <laughs> right. See you later. <laughs> right. And I'm afraid that's what we're still doing. Right. It seems that way. Well, there's no indication to the contrary. I mean, Rita Hart and the party, you know, all great people. But, you know, the, the message is uh, the message is getting out about how they think about the issues. There's no message out on how they're building a team. Well, I think we'll kind of wrap up this conversation on this, but I think part of it is that the Democrats are so much on their back foot that they're always defending and responding rather than putting together their own talking points and hitting those things really hard. They're always just responding to what the Republicans have done or want to do, which is not a winning position. No. Just reacting. Let's get on to some cock talk. I mentioned we had a lot of that today. And you were recently at an event, Carrie Lake, famous election denier. And of course, she's campaigning on behalf of Donald Trump. She was in our area at Cordova Park, which is on Lake Red Rock in Marion County. And like I said, you were there. And I'm sure that was just nonstop craziness. Pretty much so. I was also at the family leader event with Tucker Carlson and uh, Carrie Lake was there and you know, I spoke with her briefly there, but I mean, it was all sort of tied together. Which one do you want to deal with first, the Carrie Lake thing here or family leader? Or just one or the other? Let's just go ahead and talk with about Carrie Lake first, and then that will actually lead into, we can talk about the family leader. I've got that on the agenda too, so. Okay, well, the Carrie Lake event, you know, I learned about it first from the Marion County Republicans, and I thought, how did they get her? I mean, because she's a big deal, big election denier. She's a loser who, you know, says in every election that if the Republican didn't win, it was stolen. I mean, just sore losers. and Yeah, she's sued the state of Arizona yeah, several lost. times, lost every time, yeah. And so I thought, I didn't quite understand what was happening. And then when I got there at the event, it started at 10, and she wasn't going to speak until 1.20. And I thought, why is this starting at 10? And so there's, you know, some real mistakes made at this event, but uh, I almost felt sorry for the organizers because I know them, I see them all the time, but it stretched out so long and there were about 300. But first you come in and there's all kinds of security, there's parking a long ways away, there's golf carts to take you. And I thought, this is like this huge, giant, really important person and it's (laughs) Carrie Lake. And and I'm thinking, are they expecting a crowd of several thousand? Right. Well, and when I got there about 11, there were uh, maybe 200, 300 people there. But by the time 120 came around, there were like 70. Right. So we had our local people speaking and mm-hmm. preachers speaking and, you know, well, how, you know, how easy it is for so many Marion County preachers, conservative preachers, to lie to our faces is just stuns me. And so, you know, the preacher's up there lying and just silly, silly lies and misrepresentations. It's this whole other paranoid alternative universe. And it wasn't the really crazy preachers either. It was just sort of the regular... Run-of-the-mill. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, they weren't portraying Democrats as satanic. Oh, so kind of them. Yeah. So The bar is pretty low. (laughs) And then, you know, just all kinds of long, boring talk. And was this an official Trump event? Because I know she's campaigning on behalf of Trump, but I mean, were there any actual Trump officials there or Trump surrogates beyond Kerry Lake? There was uh, um, one guy that I overheard tell another member of the media that he was Trump's Iowa campaign chair. He was the big dog Pushing people around. <laughs> yeah, tough guy. So, I mean, it was but it was bizarre. But so the crowd left. The crowd was so bored by the end. You know, they just 
left. Right. So what did she say? Anything groundbreaking? I mean, I'm sure she's still Same saying that Trump stuff. is the rightful president. And right. We need to make sure that he gets back in the White House because it was stolen from him. And yeah, he should be king. I should be a Republican speechwriter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, I've, I've heard it so many times. She's hasn't mixed it up very much. No. And uh, but you know, and you can every time I think of or hear the name Carrie Lake, I just think of Ricky Lake. Do you remember yeah, Ricky I Lake? I remember Ricky Lake, except I liked Ricky Lake. <laughs> exactly, Ricky Lake was actually entertaining. I mean, I don't dislike <laughs> Carrie Lake, but. As a person, she was really nice to me, but she's trying to under, she's not trying to undermine democracy. She's trying to help Trump destroy democracy to establish an authoritarian state. Or, in other words, make Trump a dictator. Let's not mince words. People, you know, were thinking, oh, it's all, all hyperbole and, you know, you're overreacting. No, I'm not. Trump officials are saying, people that work for Trump are telling the New York Times that their goal is to totally dismantle any barriers between the executive branch and the Justice Department that it possibly can so that Trump can, he wants everybody in his place. And so you go, so what do I do? You know, I go to the family leader event and there's a, a big booth for people here, you know, this organization, I forget what it was, um, by the Heritage Foundation, it's called 25th something or another, I'm sorry. But there it is, let's sign up. Do you wanna run for office? Do you wanna run for office? You know, bringing people in out of the crowds right. to see if they wanna run for office. Their whole goal is to have every position in place and every person vetted. So when Trump hits the ground, he's going to fire anyone that isn't sufficiently loyal to him. and. Republicans, if any of you are listening to this, it's not 2016 anymore. They aren't patriots. They weren't patriots then either, but they've got this... They aren't Christians either. They're, they're authoritarians that want to take and control all the power to suck money from the public sector into the private sector. Have you been reading about all the important infrastructure bills that are being considered in Congress today for waterways, for roads, for bridges that the Republicans are voting against? They're trying to destroy the infrastructure of America. Well, and the people that are out there, they aren't going to know that because is Fox News going to tell them that? No. No. So their, their media is part of the coup and Tucker Carlson and I, and I call that there I you know media are saying oh you know they're wavering in their support of Ukraine and Tucker Carlson was was really and you know I'm going to give Mike Pence credit which you know I can't stand that <laughs> I, I thought of you as I was watching that clip I was like crap like Dr. Bob's going to have to say that Mike Pence has at least a sliver of a spine he actually stood up a little bit to Tucker Carlson's attacks. Yeah, well, he just got hammered by Carlson. But he stood up and in defense, Haley. In defense of Ukraine, just to make it yeah, clear. Like, right. we should be helping them. We should be arming them because this is an important part of U.S. foreign policy to make sure that Ukraine is independent and Russia goes back home. Yeah. And so Pence, Nikki Haley, Asa Hutchinson, Tim Scott all stood up supporting Ukraine. And so if Ukraine falls, let's not forget, if Ukraine falls, who's next? Right. Who's Putin after next? So we have to support them. And people say, oh, you know, Ukraine's sort of a mess. And, you know, I worry a little bit about the money or I worry a lot about the money we should be putting. I'm remember Vietnam and where we just sort of just, you know, kept up, well, I forget what the policy was called, but it had equal, you know, equal and comparable force where you wouldn't, you didn't want to escalate. And I know it's hard not to escalate. I understand why sometimes you want to escalate, but Vietnam was drawn out forever because they decided, we decided we weren't going to win. Exactly. Afghanistan, because we just responded in kind. Right. And we're doing the same thing. The difference now is is Russia's a nuclear power, so I understand that a bit now. But once we start backing off of support for Ukraine, then Putin wins. So that means Tucker Carlson's pro-Putin. Everybody a member of Congress, 
that cast doubt on the funding for Ukraine is pro-Putin. Mike Pence isn't, Nikki Haley isn't, Tim Scott isn't, Asa Hutchinson isn't of the people that were there. Asa Hutchinson also backed up. He vetoed a transgender care bill that was passed through. He was the governor of Arkansas, and he vetoed the bill. He said because it went too far, he said that kids, you know, people under the age of 18 shouldn't be having surgeries and that sort of stuff, which is his opinion. But there was also another person that yeah. stood up to Tucker Carlson. He got booze from the crowd is what I read when he said that. Yeah. But it's good to see a, a Republican or any politician stand up for what they did and say, this is why I did it. If you agree with me, great. And of course, he's in the Family Leader Summit, which is not going to be pro-transgender by any means. So he knows that he's probably going to get booze by standing by what he did. And he still went out there and said, this is why I did it. Yeah, and the biggest boos were for Pence when he stood up for funding Ukraine. Right. And talking about January 6th, he said he wouldn't call it an insurrection. He called it a riot, uh, said that he and his family feared for their lives. And it's a personal story for him. It's not just some made-up Fox News storyline. This was his life and his family's life. And it's crazy that people are so hypnotized by Trump that they can't see the facts that are right there. That's His vice president saying that I feared for my life because of what the president was saying about me. Yeah, but they don't care. The crowd there was really, I'm just going to say it, the Republicans there were pretty pro-Putin. Pro Putin. Yeah. They don't see it that way. It's crazy. Um, it's like, I mean, Ronald Reagan would be turning over in his grave, would he not? I mean, I even said this back when we were talking during the 2016 campaign and or 2016 campaign and the Russian collusion and, and all that sort of stuff and Trump saying so many kind things about President Putin and I'm thinking this is not the Republican Party. No Republican leader that I've ever known would ever say any kind word about a Russian president or dictator. And yeah. here they are, best buddies. Trump trying to, you know, suck off his teeth basically. Yeah. And there was collusion. Exactly. But, I mean, the Republicans, you know, keep hearing from Fox News this anti, you know, reality narrative. And from the other news as well, and from Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson, who admittedly lied about, on Fox News, about um, the election being stolen, starts off his first question to Nikki Haley is, is Biden our legitimate president? I mean, so he was fired and you know, admitted to lying, and then he lies again. And the people in the audience, they probably never knew he admitted that he lied because Fox News didn't cover the Dominion lawsuit. Right. <laughs> yeah, they don't even know that it happened. Yeah. They don't know why he was fired. What they really want is Donald Trump to be president and Tucker Carlson to be vice president. Yeah. Well, they think he was fired over some woke thing about him, you know, having a, oh, I don't know, hostile work environment. I mean... They think, of course it's hostile. It's Fox News. Yeah, and it's Tucker Carlson. There's plenty of documentation that it's a hostile so they, and, But they don't care. Right. Repub Iowa Republicans don't care. Because that's woke. So while we're on anything else from the Family Leader Summit that was newsworthy or caught your attention? Oh, the alternative media was there. Blaze Media was there. Steve Dace was there. I of mean, course. Was, yeah, so they had their own little, you know, media chambers and so that was interesting there was a lot of the traditional media there um nikki haley and tim scott did not do general media avails i've been to three events with each of them and they never talked to the media which is a mistake right. they have they might have a select person in the media they talk to but they don't do the gaggle where we can all get them on anything that we want but they won't do that that's odd yeah pence does it it's just weird because why would you run for president if you're not going to talk to reporters? And by talking to reporters, you're really talking to voters. Right. And the questions are really, they should be able to prepare themselves for them. Right. I mean, yeah, it's not like it's rocket science. Well, that sort of leads me into our next point. Very good segue, Dr. Bob. Kim Reynolds, not known for doing very many press conferences herself. Media availability is pretty much nil unless she goes on Fox News. I looked up, tried to research today the last time she did an actual press availability press conference. Of course, she did a lot of press conferences during COVID. 
but that was a unique situation. And just for reference, by the way, governor's back, you know, to Branstad in his first stint as governor, back to Ray. They did weekly press conferences, at least weekly, if not sometimes more than that. And it was a set date and time. It was, you know, whatever they decided, Monday at 3 o'clock is our press availability. And Kim Reynolds ran on, I'm going to continue this transparency, and she did not from the get-go. Then COVID hit, and she had to. But the last time that she actually held a press availability that I saw was March of 2021, so more than two years ago. Yeah. And now she is going to be hosting her own little press conferences. So this is from Fox News because they're behind all this. Republican Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds is inviting all the GOP presidential hopefuls to join her, quote, fair side chats next month at the Iowa State Fair. Reynolds' political team says the one-on-one style interviews, quote, will go beyond just the issues of a presidential campaign and allow fairgoers to see who the candidates really are, end quote. Reynolds' interviews will take place at Junior South Pork Ranch at the fairgrounds and will be scheduled throughout the duration of the Iowa State Fair, which is held August 10th through the 20th. The governor's team highlights that Reynolds' interviews with the presidential candidates will be open to fairgoers and the media. Well, that's interesting. I do not want to go to the fair every day. Yeah. I mean... Why... Yeah, you'd think you would just do this, you know, have five candidates on one day, five candidates on the next day. They have said that they have reached out to everybody, including Donald Trump, who, of course, him and Kim Reynolds apparently don't get along all that great right now, which is very strange. He bashed her. Yeah. Yeah. Truthed about her. I I hate saying truth, his truth social media. But, yeah, he... Yeah, there's no end to the lies in there about what he did for the Iowa economy and even what he did for her. Right. Saying that he got money from China. It's like, no, you screwed over the Iowa farmers and then tried to pay them off with a $25 billion check from Congress. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, And that didn't make up for all the money that he lost in the trade deals with China. Yeah. So... No, the, uh, what was the, what's the statistics? Uh, farm exports declined 50% and... The last year of his presidency, uh, I believe the farm bankruptcies went up 20%. Right. So, I mean, over his presidency, probably. Right. So, no, he was not good for farmers. He was the worst president for farmers ever. And we talked about before we got on the air. In fact, we saw each other at the Marion County Fair today. So we talked about it a little bit then. But he didn't win the Iowa caucus in 2016. So he probably doesn't feel too great about Iowa to begin with. So it feels like... My impression is that he's setting himself up to lose and save face. You know what I mean? Like, they're out to get me. Kim Reynolds, she's already picked DeSantis. That's her guy. So everybody in Iowa, at least the, the leaders of the party in Iowa, are out to get me. So if I lose the caucus, either it was stolen from me or it was because I was sabotaged by the Republican leadership. The Republican leadership does not want Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, Amy Sinclair is... Part of the leadership in the state house, uh, she's been pretty famous over the abortion debate. But she is not a fan of Donald Trump, and she is a huge fan of Ron DeSantis. And she yeah. has officially endorsed him, along with what twenty-five to thirty other representatives and senators. Yeah, I mean a pretty good chunk already, and we're not even, you know, into the fall yet. Yeah, and if you talk to them privately, they'll say that, you know. Um, you know, no Chuck Grassley doesn't want Trump around anymore. You know, Joni Ernst doesn't want Trump around anymore. Um, she's hinted at that, you know, publicly. Right. Yeah. I mean, who knows what Feenster thinks? You know, I don't know him, but they don't want Trump. I mean, and, you know, I was talking with a friend the other day that's, you know, a pretty wise, old-fashioned conservative, and he says everybody ta- that he talks to that is a thinking Republican that really looks at the issues... They want Trump to just go poof and yeah. disappear. Yeah. If it only were that easy. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both. So we're talking about politics. We're talking about DeSantis versus Trump. And we're talking about Kim Reynolds. And I don't know if you saw this, but Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said on Saturday that he would consider Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds as a potential running mate should he win the 2024 Republican presidential nomination and dismiss former President Donald Trump's recent complaints about her as, quote, totally out of hand. Well, here's, um, I don't like to, you know, project. I don't like to predict 
because I, when I do, I'm often wrong, so I try to avoid it. But I predict that Ron DeSantis is going to consider Kim Reynolds for a vice presidential candidate. He's, he's open to considering it. Here's how it's going to happen. He's going to say, uh, Kim Reynolds, mm, no, because she <laughs> brings in nothing after Iowa. Exactly. Right. Nothing. He's going to pick somebody that will bring a swing state. Right. That will help him somewhere. Yeah. And to pick her, he might like that, but he's just he's just acting like that. It would be, I don't know, it would be a serious mistake. Although people tell me in some other places like Texas, people really like Kim Reynolds. That would be the only reason. But he needs somebody to bring a swing state. Exactly. And it's one of those things where it's like you could pretty much say any governor or Republican governor in the country and say, hey, would you consider so-and-so for your vice presidential nomination? Yeah, of course. You're considering everybody anyway. And secondly, you're not going to want to piss off people from that state that voted for that governor or that senator. So any question is, yeah, I'm considering them. Yeah, well, I think Nikki Haley or Tim Scott would both be better choices than Reynolds. Right. South Carolina is a you know big state and a state that they need to keep. And also the fact, I mean, I think Tim Scott might be the best just because he's African-American. Yeah, that could help. He's not, re- and he's evangelical, yes. but he's not resonating with a lot of Iowans, and I'm surprised. I mean, because he's, he's a, you know, seems like a regular guy and checks, you know, the boxes that they need. I heard that he's actually spent more so far on campaign ads than any other candidate. Which doesn't surprise me. I've seen more Tim Scott ads than anybody else combined mm-hmm. on TV or YouTube. I mean, it's nonstop Tim Scott. And a lot of them are just sort of um, not even talking about policies, more just talking about his experience as a black man growing up in America and how that shaped his worldview. And he wants to help other people that are in his position. I mean, they're very good ads, but apparently it's not catching on. Well, yeah, and you know, and you know, you always hear about the person you'd want to have a beer with, but you know, I'd be happy to sit down and have a beer with Tim Scott. Zen, he seems like a perfectly reasonable guy. I probably wouldn't agree on ninety percent of the stuff with him, but at least he wouldn't be so offensive, right? You know, a uh, little bit more cock talk. I think the last one I have is I mentioned right off the top. Donald Trump is doing his town hall with Fox News, basically as we speak, as we're recording this. It's going to air. Um, tonight, so it'll air by the time you're hearing this. And they're uh, recording it at the Alliant Energy Powerhouse. There was a line already out the door at like 10 o'clock this morning for people lined up to see Donald Trump. And this is from AP News too. So it's kind of went hand in hand. I already talked about or wrote this down for us to talk about. And then as I was kind of looking for other stuff, this came through from AP News. Former President Donald Trump said Tuesday that he has received a letter informing him that he is a target of the Justice Department's investigation into efforts to undo the results of the 2020 presidential election. Trump made the claim in a post on his Truth Social platform, saying he received the target letter on Sunday night. Such a letter can precede an indictment. Trump got one ahead of being charged last month in a separate investigation into the mishandling of classified documents. So charge number three likely on the way. Yep, more to come. Exactly. And there wasn't really much specific because this was from the special counsel. So we're not exactly sure what charges will be brought. But we do know it's about the election interference. But we don't know if it's about his interference in Georgia specifically. If it's everything combined, I guess we may find out fairly soon. Because when he got that letter that he was the target of that investigation before you know, he was actually arrested on the classified documents thing. That was just a few days. He posted that same thing on True Social, and then, what, two or three days later, they officially charged him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it again this time. And, you know, the charges, the state charges in Georgia, um, they've telegraphed, the prosecutor there has telegraphed that they'll be in the first couple of weeks of August. And, and uh, there's, you know, talk out there that Jack Smith, the special counsel, special federal counsel, will want to come in before the, the state uh, does. The state does. So, I mean, what is it? July 18th. Yeah. So We're not too far. Yeah. We're a few weeks away from the first yeah. weeks of August. Yeah. So, yeah, we should know soon enough. So that'll be fun to follow and see what happens there. So let's take a wider scope. Really just have one more story before we get to... Uh, oh, we do have a good news story. I take that back. So a couple more things to cover. So I mentioned fireflies seem to have disappeared. I feel like there was about a month ago 
where I saw a couple of them, and then you're thinking, oh, the fireflies are back. And then it's like, then they, we never saw more than one or two a night. Right. So this is from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Donald Lewis, an emeritus professor and extension entomologist for Iowa State University, says fireflies spend 11 months of the year in the larva stage, hiding under mulch, leaves, or other decaying organic material, and eating slugs, snails, earthworms, and other arthropods. With the development of neighborhoods and strip malls, there aren't as many of those undisturbed places. Wetlands, intermittent streams, and damp ravines can dry out during periods of drought, which of course we are facing in Iowa right now. This is a quote from Lewis, for honeybees and pollinators and fireflies, I think loss of habitat is the number one problem. Other factors include pesticides and too much light, which makes it harder for females to find males of their own species. Many entomologists, including Lewis, think fireflies may be a way to get people to care more about the plight of insects in our changing climate. When Americans started learning about how monarch butterflies were nearing extinction because of their food source, milkweed, was disappearing, many started planting milkweed and fostering caterpillars. This is another quote from Lewis. Fireflies are a charismatic fauna. People notice them and pay attention to them. To provide habitat for firefly larvae, Lewis recommends leaving leaf litter and plant debris in yards and gardens. Iowans also may want to avoid using pesticides to kill slugs in their flower beds because those slugs are a firefly food source. Yeah, but we're not going Save to... Save the slugs! Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't understand all the efforts that we put into maintaining the perfect lawns. And I know in cities people do it all the time, but you know we live in the country and we've just let all the paths in the yard go. I mean, we've got paths to walk through the yard. And the, and the f flora and fauna that we have yeah. is just amazing. And it's so much fun to go out and, and watch it. And I don't have to mow for so well, That's another benefit, too. Yeah. But, you know, I know in the city there's code and stuff like that. But, I mean, there's so many wonderful things that don't need the pesticides and the native plants and stuff like that and the herbicides. And, you know, I'm... You understand why people use them on their farmers and stuff, but we, it's pretty easy to avoid that kind of thing in at least a country yard. It's just, it's strange because it's something that, like I said, I didn't notice it until somebody said it. I sort of noticed it, like, okay, there's not as many fireflies as there used to be, but now that the fact that when you're reading through all this stuff, it's like, of course there's less fireflies. There's There may be one main reason... But there's a million different reasons right now. And I think the drought shouldn't be overlooked either. The fact that it is so dry, it is probably hard for them to mate and breed. Well, and it's not just the fireflies. I mean, over the last 30 years, I've been watching the decrease of bugs hitting my windshield. At yeah. Night. I mean, I remember one time I was doing math, you know, driving a long distance, you know, thinking about... All right, now all these bugs are hitting my windshield. So I'm here. Okay, this is an inch, and then there's 17 dead bugs in that inch. And so, how big is my windshield? And You're I doing statistics, that, yeah. Yeah, to try to figure out how many dead bugs are on my windshield. And now I can drive 20 miles at night and not hit a bug. I think there was actually an article in like the New York Times or the New Yorker about that recently, about how there's not as many. Well, I missed it. I mean, it's nice around, for my period. windshield. Oh yeah. No, we're killing them all off. And I think fireflies, it's, um, there's a thing called pretty privilege. For example, we treat butterflies better than we treat moths. So it's like, oh, yeah, let's plant this milkweed because we don't want to lose the monarch butterflies because they're beautiful. <laughs> and there's a million different aspects to that. Like, well, let's save you know, pandas or whatever you want to say because they're cute and adorable and cuddly and you want to save the pandas. Whereas there's maybe... Like, speaking of insects, you don't want to say save the roaches or save the horseflies, but it still goes hand in hand. You really need them. Exactly. Yeah. It's still food sources for other animals, etc. So, I just thought that was interesting, and maybe you can do your part and not mow and not rake up your leaves and just sit, out, sit back and enjoy your spring next year. And when you capture the spiders at home, take them outside gently. Yes. I just did that uh, maybe yesterday. Uh, Skyler had a spider in her, uh, well, I guess, drapes or whatever. So, yeah, I had to grab a napkin. And you were a hero. Yes, I was uh, hailed as a hero yeah. is an understatement. So we do have good news. So we let off with abortion rights and how they're trying to be curtailed in the state of Iowa. You brought up that last week when we were talking about it that birth control is not available over the counter. Well, guess what? Good news. 
U.S. officials have approved the first over-the-counter birth control pill, which will let American women and girls buy contraceptive medication from the same aisle as aspirin and eye drops. The FDA said Thursday, last Thursday, it cleared Perigo's once-a-day O-pill to be sold without a prescription, making it the first such medication to be moved out from behind the pharmacy counter. The company won't start shipping the pill until early next year, and there will be no age restrictions on sales. Medical societies and women's health groups have pushed for wider access, noting that an estimated 45% of the 6 million annual pregnancies in the U.S. are unintended. Teens and girls, women of color, and those with low incomes report greater hurdles in getting prescriptions and picking them up. And this is 2023. Finally. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how long it's been developed, but yeah, there could have been... 1960, wasn't yeah. it? I think 1960. So it's been 80-some years yeah. since this has been available, been proven to be safe and effective, and finally, oh yeah, we're going to be allowed to... It's like Prilosec was like <laughs> was a pharmaceutical drug that you had to have a prescription for for like two years. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, we'll just sell this over the counter now. Yeah. No, there, there are forces there are very primitive patriarchal forces that are you know at play in all of this stuff and it's you know trying to control women's sexual activity i read a bit of an article talking about how clarence thomas now wants to he believes and he wrote this in his opinion in the dobbs case that he wants to revisit interracial marriage which he is in an interracial marriage he wants to basically get rid of contraceptives he doesn't think the contraceptives are a constitutional right to have access to them he wants to return that to the states it's fucking crazy man. yeah looney tunes and if they do that good luck winning an election for the next 20 years at least yeah the more they do cascade this, it's the ideology cascading once it's rolling it can't Stop. Exactly. It's the we next step that we got to yeah. do. Yes, exactly. It's the next thing and the next thing. And we got to make it harder and tougher for poor people to have control over their lives. All right. Anything else? I think you covered a lot. That was a lot of stuff, man. We got top five fast food burger joints this week. What's your favorite? Fa- I already asked you. Sonic is your favorite, right? Right. And it has to be the Sonic Green Chili Cheeseburger. Has to have green chilies and cheese. Do they even have that outside of New Mexico? Because I didn't even, I didn't remember Sonic ever even having that. I've had them, I think, in New Mexico and Colorado and Kansas. I don't remember here. Right. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've had a Sonic, too. So, all right, top five. Number five is Wendy's. Wendy's is okay. Exactly. That's why they're number five. They're okay. Uh, The one with chili on it is pretty good. Yeah, Wendy's chili is fantastic. Yeah, it actually is really good. Yes, chili on the hamburger. Do you dip fries in your frosty? Um, My frosty, I don't have a frosty. I just have a regular soda. Same. I'm not a huge fan of of malt and shake, so I don't usually get them at Wendy's anyway. But I know a lot of people that that's like their favorite snack is dipping the fries in the chocolate or vanilla. No thanks. Uh, number four is Sonic. They cracked the top five. Hardee's had been number four, but I kicked them the hell out of there. So Sonic is number four. And that was just an oversight on my part. Wasn't changing it to please you by any means. Just want to make that, just want to make that clear. But Sonic has right. all sorts of good... I mean, their burgers are awesome. Their breakfast toasters, like their breakfast sandwiches are awesome. I'm also a huge fan of tater tots. I think I like tater tots even, especially if they're good tater tots, even more than I like a good Hardee's fry. Hardee's are too greasy. Yes. Yes. So they are kicked to the curb. No yeah. longer in the top five. Number three is A&W. It's been 40 years probably since I had an A&W. You need to head over to Indianola and have some A&W. It's fantastic. It's really yeah, it's good. It's just been a long time. And their burgers are fantastic. And of course, I, I'm a root beer fan. Root beer is one of my favorite pops and it doesn't get much better than a fresh A&W root beer in a like, frosty mug. Oh. So good. I'm so hungry right now anyway. <laughs> this is going to make it worse. Number two is Culver's. They're good. It's They're almost too decadent for me and too rich. And I mean, they're really tasty, but it's like, I'm just, you know, when I finish, I think I've just done something very <laughs> <laughs> You got to rush on the car ride home, right? Well, it's just, I, it's just so rich and it's decadent. I mean, it's like over-the-top decadent. They also have a very wide selection for a yeah. fast food restaurant. You can get all, like, you can get fried fish, and they've got they've got a bunch of different kinds of soups and chili and yeah. 
They have more sides than, you know, most fast food places just have fries or whatever, but you can get like mashed potato and gravy or, you know, all sorts of different kinds of stuff at Culver's. So, plus we're in the Midwest and Culver's is like king shit in the Midwest. Yeah, I've got nothing Cheese against curds. it. I think, I think it's good. It's just, I don't know, it's, it feels decadent. And I mean, I love pizza too, but I just don't want to eat pizza because it's, I mean, it's not like you can eat a slice. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that's my problem. Number one, Burger King. Burger King is good. I've, I've always liked Burger King. Yeah, Whoppers with cheese are good. Yeah, no, I like Burger King. I've liked Burger King since I was a kid. And, you know, you could go in and see that it was done on the grill. And yes. back then you used to be able to watch. Right. Do it on the grill. Now it's, yeah, it was like this. Oh, I don't know. It was like this. Uh, oh, what's the place in Des Moines? Uh, the um, Japanese place where they cook all the food right in front of you. And sure, you like a hibachi yeah. grill type place. Yeah. But it was sort of like that where you'd watch right. your. There was a big grill right there. You'd see the guy flipping your burger, and it was, you know, it was more fun back then. I'm also a huge fan of their fries, which mm-hmm. is clutch. Yeah. Because this could be mixed up if Burger King didn't have a good fry. And they've got really good fries. They also have their long original chicken sandwich. The ones that's sort of like on a like a sub roll. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite fast food sandwiches ever. No, it's not a burger, but it is still included in the burger joint. It would be hard for me to take a pass on a Whopper with cheese to pick something else. You know how I get into ruts. Right. I am too. I am the kind of guy that will eat the same thing for lunch for months at a time. Yeah. This uh, might seem odd to you. I was going to say sacrilegious, but that's (laughs) not right. But something not normal in the realm of, you know, accepted utterances or something. (laughs) Just get to your point. I want to say that the cheeseburgers at Casey's aren't too bad agree their tenderloin sandwiches are also pretty yeah. good uh, but the which is know, probably even border like that's more bordering on sacrilegious to yeah. say in the state of iowa yeah. that casey's tenderloins are good but they are they are but um the casey's uh buns for the hamburgers and chicken sandwiches are softer and lighter and fluffier than the than the tenderloin ones i guess they don't need the the big structure to hold the tenderloin but they're just pretty darn tasty and you know it's bad for you the you know the white bread bun but it's sure soft and pillowy and, <laughs> you know has a nice feel on the palate yeah i agree casey's has all of their food honestly is fantastic do you think lightning's gonna strike us <laughs> probably as soon as we walk out of here at least we got to get the podcast done and then we can do whatever they want with us, apparently. Um, I do want to get your top five. What is Not top five, but what is your favorite fry? McDonald's. Really? By far. By the way, notice McDonald's was not even on my top five. And I'm not a huge fan of McDonald's fries. I don't think they're all that I great. I like them. They're not too salty. They're not big, fat, and thick. They're just like the right thinness to me. Um, I know it's individual taste, but I think McDonald's fries are good. I think the McDonald's hamburgers are okay. Eh, they're fine. Yeah. I think I've just had it so much because it's one of the main places where we live to go. And even growing up, I mean, that was the main go-to place. So I think it's more just I'm used to it. So I'm not I'm not going <laughs> to sing the praises of a McDonald's burger. Well, and for the old folks But the Quarter there, Pounder with cheese is it's a, it's a good burger. It's fine. Well, and for the old folks out there, they'll remember a McDonald's alternative in the early days was Henry's, which were pretty good. Okay. Henry's. And the, I, this might be me misremembering, but I think the hamburgers were like a dime. <laughs> right. Yeah, McDonald's was probably 15 cents yeah. or 20 cents, and Henry's was 10 cents, yeah. I think my favorite fry, I'm a big curly fry guy, mm-hmm. so I do like Hardy's fries, um, and Arby's is not necessarily a burger joint, but I love Arby's curly fries. That might be my favorite just fry in fast food. Uh, curly fries are a little hoity-toity for me. <laughs> Next week will be top five hard candies. So I'm going for your demographic. 
<laughs> those of you that are 60 and older will probably have a beef with my top five hard candies. But I think it's a pretty good list. We'll see. All right. Anything else to cover? No, just thanks to our listeners. Yes, thanks to everybody. We are now up to 70 subscribers. So thanks to everybody that subscribes to this podcast. You can do so on our Iowa Revolution Substack. So just put in your email address and you'll get this podcast delivered to your email every Wednesday morning. Make sure you're also subscribed to Dr. Bob's podcast, or not podcast, but Substacks. He has Deep Midwest, which is same as kind of the podcast, politics, culture, that sort of stuff. Um, just Dr. Bob's musings. And then Cedar Creek Nature Notes is pretty much self-explanatory. It's just nature notes. Just yeah. Dr. Bob going on his morning walks and sharing what he sees. No politics. No politics. And it's always fun. It's always cool to see the pictures, listen to your audio and the bird calls and just some of the stuff you're hearing. And it's yeah, just a, a breezy little, you know, 10-minute read. So... Thank you. Yep, so make sure you subscribe to those. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution. You can also email us if you want. If you have any tips or comments or telling us to shut up, <laughs> you can email us at pod at gmail.com. Dr. Bob, always good to see you, and we'll see you again next week. You bet.